0: welcome and thank you for joining us as we listen to the lively messages of brother nick manzi a down-to-earth pastor who communicates god's truth in understandable and practical terms as you apply the bible to your own life what a great day to praise the lord amen It's so good to see you all here today, and wonderful that we get to do this together, whether it's in person, online. It's just wonderful that we get a chance to be able to worship our God together, and uh, I just want to continue to encourage you, like Pastor Don was saying, if you're able to come out, come out, but either way, whether you're coming out uh, to the building or you're doing it online, I want to encourage you to do it at 11 o'clock. You know, we've been pushing that a lot, and it's very important that we don't lose track and get... little apathetic in our lives so we want to be able to get dressed get showered eat our breakfast whatever it takes let's just get it get together at 11 o'clock in-house online either way but let's do it together and be in that way we could stay together in fellowship with one another You know, I was also listening to Pastor Don and his heart for missions. And, you know, that same heart that you heard about the different things that he was doing with the veterans and uh, taking care of our, our veterans to go fishing is the same heart he has when we do our mission serve trips with our youth and our adults in the summer. And it's the same heart he has to be able to help people in our community. And that's one of the reasons why we asked him to be our missions pastor. And I just want to let you know, Brother Don, that uh, as a pastor here at Central Baptist Church, with October being Pastor Appreciation Month, I appreciate you, and I think I'm speaking for everybody here. So, from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of theirs, thank you for what you do here at this church. Amen. God is so good. You believe that, say Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Those that are online, he says he will get me back next week, but that's okay. I'm going to call in sick. No, I'm joking. <laughs> i'm joking uh you know I, i was reading a book recently it was it was called from eden to paradise and it was a pretty interesting book and it was an autobiography of a guy named john gilbert well in that book uh it was talking about his life and john was about five years old and he was went to the doctor and was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy And at that point, he was told that eventually that that disease that he had, that MS disease he had, would destroy every muscle and eventually even take his life. Well, each year that passed, John lost something physically. One year it was his ability to run. The next year, he couldn't walk straight any longer. And then soon after, he couldn't even walk at all. Well, then at the young age of 25, John passed away. Well, while he was alive, uh, John, he uh, experienced a lot of limitations. And, and he, one of those limitations was basketball. And he loved basketball so much. And he desired to play, but physically he just couldn't. And occasionally he would be able to go out with his wheelchair on the court And at least experience the feel of what it means to be on the hardwood. Well, one year he was named the ambassador for everyone who was in his same condition with MS in the whole state of California. And that year he was flown out to Sacramento and he was ushered in with his mother into the governor's office for a meeting, a private meeting with him. Well, that night he was also invited uh, to this fundraising fundraising auction and dinner with the NFL, and John was that honored guest of the NFL. Well, obviously there was a bunch of NFL stars there and a bunch of other people there, and uh, these NFL uh, superstars came over to John, took off their Super Bowl rings, and let him hold it and even try it on. Well... Then the fundraising auction starts to begin, and there was this one particular item that really caught John's attention. It was a basketball signed by all the players of the Sacramento Kings. Well, John got a little carried away when the auction began for this basketball. He raised his hand, not knowing how much it was actually worth. And as soon as he did that, his mother quickly (laughs) yanked his hand down. And in a book, in John's words, he said, astronauts never felt as many Gs as I felt that day with my wrist being pulled down. (laughs) In any case, the bidding for that basketball went up and kept going up and kept going up to an astounding amount. And eventually this one man shocked the room and placed a bid that no one else would match. Well, that man... Received the prize of that signed basketball, went up front to get the ball, and collected his prize. But instead of going back to his own seat with his prize possession, he walked across the room and placed that signed basketball into the hands of the boy who so desired it in the beginning. See, that man placed the ball in the hands of a person who would never be able to dribble it down a court into a person that would never be able to be a teammate on a fast break. Who would never be able to shoot it for a three-point shot. But those hands that it was placed in, that man knew would cherish that basketball. You know, stories like that, I don't know about you, but it always pulls on my heartstrings. Do they use? Say Amen. amen. You know, they really do. And I think that's because giving value of something to someone else is so important in our lives. But did you know that giving something to someone else does not have to be material? See, giving can be of our time. It can be giving giving a, a listening and a compassionate heart to someone. But giving, Jesus said, brings more happiness than getting. Do you remember that? In fact, Jesus tells us that in Acts 20, 35, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you believe that, say that with me right now. It is more blessed to give than to receive. See, it's such a wonderful thing to know that Jesus even says that it is that because it really is so much more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is so much more, so much better. I love that English, don't you? You know, giving is so much better than getting because when we give, we're imitating God. Did you realize that? See, we're imitating God. And I hope you believe this next line because God is the greatest giver in the universe. So we should be asking ourselves, how can I be more like God? How can I give more to others? How can I encourage more for, for the people that are listening to me each and every day? Well, see, that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want, you to, you know, I want to talk to you about living a life that matters. How can I live a life that matters? What can we do as Christians, individually and collectively, what can we do to be able to give somebody a basketball? What can we do to make the load lighter for someone else? Well, we're beginning a new series today, and it's uh, going to be called, Am I Living a Life That Matters? Am I living a life that matters? And I think most of us, especially that are listening in today, whether here or online, I think we we can actually say that we want to live a life that matters. I hope so, at least. I think I'm not alone in that. Uh, So if we are wanting to live uh, a life that matters, that means that when we come to the end of our existence here on Earth, we want to be able to say that we made a difference some way, somehow. But unfortunately, in today's world, many of us end up feeling insignificant that we're only a minute piece to a large puzzle. But I want to tell you, there's some great news. There's some great news that each and every one of us here today, everyone outside this building, everyone watching online, our lives do matter. Our lives do matter. Every one of our lives matter. We've been, uh, we're going to see how we've been created by God to be able to make a difference. And when we do so, uh, we're going to be investigating some very encouraging words from John, but it's a challenging first chapter from his book. And it's, uh, and we're going to be looking at first John today, first John chapter one today. And the apostle John wrote this letter to the early Christ followers of the church. Now this letter has five chapters. If you've ever read it before, you know, it's a pretty, pretty short book, but each Sunday we're going to investigate one chapter at a time and we're going to look to see how we can use what God has to say through the Apostle John and make our life matter. Are you with me with this? Amen. I I can't wait to be able to see what God has in store for this church through this sermon series. I think it's going to be a great one. And we're going to begin today with the topic of fellowship in 1 John chapter 1. So go ahead and turn there, 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read the whole thing, verses 1 through 10. If you're using a pew Bible, that's wonderful. It's on page 1864, 1864. You can turn there. And as you're turning there, I want you to know that fellowship is a big part of the life that God gives us. And I believe it's a big part because He, God wants us to be happier. He wants us to lead happier lives. He wants us to lead fuller lives. But we need to know that he not just wants to have us ha- lead those lives, but how are we supposed to lead those lives. And I think we're going to be able to learn that in this first book. We're going to be able to learn how to take this great gift that God has given us so we can be better equipped to be able to put it to use. How can my fellowship with God and others help me live a life that matters? So as we read this first chapter of John, first uh, John, I want you to do two things with me. If you have your own Bible, uh, not in the few Bibles, but in, in, if you have your own Bible, uh, I don't know if you mark in it, I encourage you to do so. But if you do, I want you to, every time we read the word fellowship, I want you to circle it or highlight it, whatever you want to do. Circle it or highlight it. And then second, every time we come across a first person plural pl- pronoun, let me give you an idea what that is. I don't want to confuse anybody. I got confused with that. It's we, our, us. When you come across those three words, I want you to be able to underline it as well. Okay? So, again, first circle or highlight the word fellowship anytime we read it. And anytime we read the words we, our, or us, I want you to underline it. Will you do that for me? Yeah. Amen? Amen. All right, now you should be at John chapter 1, verse 1 by now. And if you are, I pray you are. Say amen. Amen. Wonderful. Praise God. You know, that, that word amen is coming louder and louder each week. I love it. I love it. Praise the Lord. Let's read. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's pray. Lord, Father, I just want to thank you so much for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to worship you. Father, I'm so excited to be able to be in the house of you, Father, in the house of our God, our Father, our Lord. And I just so praise you that we get this opportunity to worship you together, online or in the house. Father, I thank you for that. But, Father, I also want to lift up this service to you, and I just want to thank you for an opportunity to be able to study your word. So as we do, Father, clear our minds and our hearts of everything in our lives, good, bad, and different, because we only want to focus on you. And as we do, Lord, and we kneel at your feet, Father, I pray you use the Holy Spirit to be able to teach us and give us the wisdom that we need And Father, I pray you continue to direct our paths so that as we leave here today, this morning, you will be able to live out your life, live out your, your plan for our lives, Lord Father. Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for this opportunity to praise you and worship you. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen and amen. So one of the things I asked you to do is underline uh, all those uh, first person plural pronouns. The we, us, and our. I hope you did so. But the question is, why why did John use so many of those? Why did he use it in this chapter? Why is that so important? Well, I, I believe that it's because living a life that matters means caring about others. Did you hear what I said there? Living a life that matters means caring about others. See, John didn't say I or me or mine, did he? He didn't use those. He said we, us, ours. And this is a very important observation. So many people want to lead lives that matter, but we're stimmied because we're trying to accomplish this on our own when it was never meant to be that way. We cannot live lives that matter unless we get involved in the lives of others, until we purchase basketballs for other people, until we learn how to say, you know, it's not about me, it's not about I, it's not about mine, but it's about we and us and ours. And John didn't just pull this out of the hat somewhere. It didn't just become some revelation that came to him. He heard this directly from Jesus Christ himself. So John opens up his letter by telling us that he was one of Jesus' close friends. You believe that, amen? And that friendship with Jesus was a big part of what motivated him to begin this letter this way. He knew firsthand the benefits of having the right kind of friends, the right kind of fellowship. He knew uh, how having fellowship with Jesus Christ, but also having fellowship with others who follow Jesus Christ, added such a great significance to his life. He knew the value of the church. And he wanted his readers to be able to to know and to grow deep in the kind of fellowship that he had and the other apostles had with Jesus Christ and with one another. Don't you want that same fellowship? I know I do. I want to be as close to Jesus Christ or even closer than John was to Jesus. And I think we have that opportunity to do so. But how does this happen? See, many of us know that we have, have to have fellowship. And in a traditional sense, we think of fellowship of just gathering in the church and eating dinner with friends and family, but it's so much, full, so much more than that. How do we help our friends find that great resource of fellowship with God? Because do you remember, we not only want to have fellowship with Jesus Christ, but we want to have fellowship with those who want fellowship with Jesus Christ. So we need to understand how that happens. And I believe this first chapter that we read in 1 John gives us three ways to help us lead a life that matters with fellowship The first way I believe that we can live a life that matters with fellowship is by sharing our joy. We can live a life that matters with fellowship by sharing our joy. Let's look at verses three and four again. It says that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. See, did you see that last part? It's so important to see that last part. And these things we write to you that your what joy, joy may be full. See, once we experience fellowship with Christ, but also fellowship with other Christ followers, we'll want others to experience that same joy that we're experiencing. See, fellowship is joy sharing. That's all it is. Fellowship is joy sharing. This should be our goal. We should be wanting to go out there and share the joy of Jesus Christ that we have in our hearts with everyone and anyone we come in contact with. I I know it was certainly John's goal. His great purpose for this entire letter is about joy and it's found at the end in 1 John 5.13. Look at it real quick. It says, These things I have written to you Who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God? If that doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what does. See, what's going on here is the false teachers in John's day, they were trying to muddy the waters uh, quite a bit here, and they were doing it about Jesus Christ. And we face the same type of attacks that they did in the first century here in the 21st century. We are facing those same attacks every single day. That's one of the reasons that the consideration for this letter, 1 John, is so timely. Their teachings led to doubt instead of assurance. So if you need assurance, I promise you, we're going to get to it in a few weeks. Stay tuned. We'll get there in in chapter five for sure. But in this first chapter, we'll clearly see that the church exists to share joy by helping others find out how to know they can have fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's one of our primary purposes. And these things I write to you, that your joy may be full. See, I hope you know this. I think we're, we don't act like this here at Central Baptist Church. I hope we don't. And if we ever make you feel this way, come to me and I want to be able to rectify it. But this church is not a closed society. We're not some sort of clique that meets every Sundays and Wednesdays. We're not a country club. We're not a place that we found some sort of tremendous treasure and we're trying to hoard it for ourselves. As a matter of fact, we're not even supposed to be stingy with the good news of Jesus Christ, are we? We're supposed to be giving it out freely. Why? Because there's plenty of treasure to go around. And the great thing about this treasure is that it will continue to grow the more people that come to accept that treasure. See, we should want to share that great experience of knowing God, of having a, friend and, and having a friendship with one another. We should want to be able to share this tremendous joy because of Jesus Christ, and that is so important for us today. So I want to encourage you. When you leave here today, Don't stop at sharing the joy with the people that are sitting next to you. Share it with the people in line at Walmart. Share it when you go to the bank. Share it in the traffic stop when when everything's stopped and everybody's grumpy. And you just, hey, give a smile. It's infectious. Share the joy. You know, another way that we can live a life that matters through fellowship is by living authentically. We can live a life that matters with fellowship by living authentically. See, here at Central Baptist, we talk a lot about authentic living. I hope you hear that through a lot of the sermons I preach, because I mean this. And what I mean by that is we preach about being genuine, about being real. That's because hypocrisy and mask wearing is counterproductive to having true fellowship with God and with others. And by the way, I'm not talking about this mask, okay? I'm talking about the masks that we put on our face each and every day. If somebody asks you, How are you doing? Do you really tell them how you feel? I can't help you if I don't know how you feel. I'm doing good. While inside, you're tearing apart. See, pretending to live in the light when we're really living in the dark, well, it's detrimental to living a life that matters because it hinders us from sharing that true fellowship with others. We have to have fellowship if we are going to live a life that matters. And I hate to say it, but we cannot have true fellowship with one another if we're two-faced. We have to take off our mess if we want to have close fellowship with the others. Our lives need to be authentic and not fake. So to make sure we don't misunderstand what God's trying to tell us, let's look at the next few verses. Look at verses 5 through 7. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, John is clearly stating in verse 7 that our authenticity is not the thing that cleanses us from sin. Do you realize that? That's not going to be what cleanses us. You can never be good enough to cleanse yourself. It's only the blood of Jesus Christ that could clean us up spiritually and make us presentable before a God that is completely holy and without blemish. Let me tell you, there's darkness in me. There is darkness in me. I have this this inbred capability to do things that are wrong, to do bad things, hurtful and mean things. But to be honest, don't we all have this this capability? Every single one of us does. Not only do we have this sinful nature, every single one of us has acted upon it. We've all blown it. So not one of us is better than another, are we? It's called being a sinner. That's what Romans 3.23 tells us when we're told that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Does your Bible say for some have sinned? Because if it does, let me rip it up for you. Let me burn it up for you and give you a different one. It says all have sinned. Are you part of an all? Raise your hand. I don't care if you're online or not. We are all part of that all. But praise the Lord That according to the next verse, which we don't quote very much after this, Romans 3.24, we are justified freely by his grace. Whose grace? Jesus' grace, right? Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. And if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what's going to get you going. I don't know what will. That that gives me such glory bumps that even though I'm messed up, I have grace through Jesus Christ. So, we must make a faith commitment to Jesus, and not just a faith commitment to a name, but for what he did to each, for each and every one of us when he hung on that cross and by paying for our sins and covering it with his shed blood. We need that, and we need to share that. Only then is when we can deal with our sin problem. Do you believe that? See our our authenticity is a result of living in the light. Our genuineness is seen by others when we're practicing the truth. Do you hear that? Not by speaking the truth. Not by wagging your finger. It says by practicing the truth practicing the truth and we cannot share God's fellowship with others if we're simply not experiencing it ourselves so if we want to have fellowship with God you and I must live in the light and when we truly come to Christ we should not go stumbling around in the darkness any longer but we fail sometimes right right Sure we do. Of course we fail. But the more we walk in the light, the more failure will become the exception and not the rule. But there are going to be some of those days you just feel like failure is the rule in your life. But let me tell you, overall, true followers of Jesus Christ who live in the light where God is will see that's Overall, it's not the norm. The point John is making here is that there needs to be a distinct difference between lying and saying that we have fellowship with God when we actually don't. And then living in the light where God lives. Let me put it a different way. If our lives contradict our message, well, we're going to be ineffective at having fellowship in lives that matter, aren't we? I want to encourage you with something. We are less than a month away from our general election. And I don't know about you, I'm getting kind of tired of all the hate being spewed both ways. Amen. As Christians, Shouldn't we be a little bit above that? Maybe our words about politics should match our Christian living. Amen. Maybe our words to our sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and the rest of the family needs to match our Christian living. Maybe the... the Maybe the the words we say when we come to church shouldn't be the words of a mask, but the words of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't we live in a whole different world than we are today? Than what we see going on? And let me tell you, I I said I'm I'm sick of the spewing of hatred with politics. There's a lot more hatred going around besides just politics. And I wouldn't be doing my job as your pastor to say that when we're doing wrong, we're doing wrong. And as a whole, as Christians, we're doing wrong. It's time we step up. We have a few more weeks until November 3rd. And then after that, I'll guarantee it's not going to stop. Can we mirror Jesus Christ during that time? Will you make that commitment with me? To mirror Jesus Christ. Now again, will we always be there? No. Not one of us can, can live up to the standards of Jesus Christ, can we? That's why we need Jesus Christ. But when we mess up, Let's go back, ask for forgiveness, and then get back on track. Amen. Amen. Can we do that? I pray that we can, and I pray that we're a light this November. That this church can show the rest of this community, maybe even the community of our online service all over this country and world. I pray that we can be a beacon of Jesus' light. You know, 1987 at his father's funeral, Carl Lewis placed his gold medal that he won in 1984 in, the, in, in his father's hands. And he looked over at his mother and he said to his mother, Don't worry, mom. I'm going to get another one. Well, a year later, in the 100-meter final at the 1988 Olympic Games, Carl Lewis went up against Ben Johnson. Halfway through the race, Carl Lewis was about five feet in front. Excuse me, uh, uh, Ben Johnson was about five feet in front. And Carl Lewis was still convinced that he could catch up to him. But at 80 meters, he was still five feet behind Ben Johnson. Well, he said to himself, it's over, Dad. I just can't catch him. And so as Johnson crossed the finish line, he stared back at Lewis, thrust his hand and his finger up in the air to show that he was number one. Well, Carl Lewis was exasperated, and he noticed Johnson's bulging muscles and the yellow tinge to his eyes, both signs of using steroids. Well, Carl Lewis says, I didn't have the medal, but what I could still give to my father is acting with class and dignity. So he went over to to Ben Johnson, shook his hand, and then he left the track. But then came the announcement a few weeks later that Ben Johnson tested positive for anabolic steroids and was stripped of the gold medal, and the gold medal then went to the second place winner, Carl Lewis. It was a replacement for the medal that he gave his father. I tell you that story because I want us to be able to ask ourselves, what rules are we willing to break in order to get get ahead? What things are we willing to say just to get our point across? Even better, what would Jesus do? We need to consider the price we pay for walking in darkness. So I pray we break, stop breaking the rules. And answer to God by living a life that matters. If you don't, it's a mirage. It's counterfeit. It's imitation. It's delusion. Walking In light with God is the only thing that will bring our life to matter. Okay, we talked about sharing joy. We talked about living authentically. And a third way that we can live lives that matter with fellowship is by confessing our sins. See, we need to live a life that matters with fellowship. We must confess our sins. Now, I understand that may sound strange, but look what John says next in his chapter, verses 8 through 10. It says, if we say that we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, just as it is nonproductive to make a claim of having fellowship with, with God while walk, walking in darkness, it's also misguided to be able to claim that we walk perfectly in the light. Because we said before, remember, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Claiming to have no sin is self-delusion. You know, I'm so glad that John adds this chapter uh, on the heel, excuse me, this paragraph on the heels of the previous paragraph that we just read. Because we must be authentic if we're going to have the kind of encouraging and helpful fellowship that gives meaning to our lives. But at the same time, we must know that we're not going to be perfect at it. You ever try to strive for a goal and you miss the goal because of a mistake you made and maybe you feel down and out because of it? This is what I'm getting at. When we try to strive for for perfection, knowing that we'll never be able to get there, we're going to get down on ourselves when we can't reach it. I'm not saying to be all happy when you mess up. But once you confess it, get over it. Time to move on. God took it. Once you confessed it. See, we are only fooling ourselves if we say we have no sin. Genuineness is achievable in our fellowship with God and with others, but perfection is not, at least, not in this lifetime. But what is possible is avoiding deception about ourselves. We're told to confess to one another. If we speak an unkind word to someone, if we, if we need to apologize to someone, well go ahead and do so. Ask God for forgiveness and then ask that person for forgiveness. I think we've lost that trait here in recent years. Asking for forgiveness for some, from someone. See, when we don't ask for forgiveness, that's when pride takes over. And pride is the center of sin. I don't know about you, but my list is long on a number of things I've done wrong in my life. And I know I need to confess every day because I won't remember what I did wrong yesterday. See, we can confess anything we want to God because he keeps our confidences. But acting like we've never sinned is not going to help. We need to own up to it. We need to ask God to forgive us. And then we need to confess it to the, to the person that we've messed up against. And ask them to forgive it. No fellowship will ever be what God wants. If it misses confession. Confession. You know, in a marriage, well, I know, let me speak for my marriage in particular. I know that if I never confessed that I was sorry to my wife or my children, my relationship with my wife and children would suffer. Why? Because I'm not being honest with them. I'm not open with them. But the same thing is true with every relationship that we have. We must must, must confess. Sharing our joy, living authentically, confessing our sins. See, God's word says that these are some of the integral parts of fellowship, and, but fellowship is also an integral part to living a life that matters. So if you'd like to make a difference today, and you want to be able to put into action one or more of these three steps I have on the screen, then today is a good time to do so. There's no better time than now. You can make a commitment to God today to share your joy, to get involved in the lives of others, and take off your mask. Again, not these. You can also say, God... I don't want to walk in the dark anymore. I want to be able to walk in the light with you. I want to have true fellowship with you, Lord. But I also want to have true fellowship with others who follow you. We're going to do something that we haven't done in quite some time. We're going to have an invitation But we have to do it a little differently because of COVID than what we're used to, okay? So during this song, if you want to make a commitment to the Lord, I'm going to ask that you come down the side aisles and come to the kneeling benches that are here. If you can't kneel, that's fine. Sit in the front pew, that's fine. But I want you to make that commitment by praying to God. And as you do, I'll stand at a distance and I'll pray with you. I promise I will. But I want you to make that commitment today. It's been since March since we've had an invitation hymn. I think there's a lot of things that we need to confess. Maybe I'm the only one. So let me encourage you to come up to one of the kneeling benches or the front pew and make a commitment today as you ask yourselves the question, Am I living a life that matters with fellowship? Nick Manzi is Senior Pastor of Central Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. If you want more information about the church, or if you're ready to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, contact Brother Nick at pastor Nick Central Baptist psl at gmail.com. God bless you as you go about the rest of your day, and thank you for listening and sharing our podcast.